so many captains and kings and queens. Royalty in this episode, y'all. So much royalty in this episode. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin, sir. Oh, well, there's not really British royalty. Uh, uh, this is what made me think of. Royalty must mean British. British crumpets. All right, well. Hey, we got new comics. We got a lot of comics to talk about. Four. Four. Including the Infinity. Yeah. And that's even after we already had Deaths of Wolverine and Life of Wolverine. Dun, dun, dun. So today we are talking about the latest Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic. What is it called? X-Men Unlimited. There it is. Black Panther number three, X-Men number seven, and Marauder's annual numero uno. Wow. Going all around. Is this the order in which you would have put them? I had X-Men and Marauder switched. I knew it. Um, primarily because of yeah, personal reasons, but... Same. Yeah, no, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but... Fine. Let me swap them in my pile. We're talking about Black Panther number three, <laughs> Marauder's Annual number one, Some, and X-Men number seven. Something to point out about Black Panther number three, also the Legacy 200 issue, which that means if you if you added all the different runs of Black Panther up, you'd get to the 200. The 200th issue. All right. Well. Right. It's basically to quell the cries of people continuously asking Marvel to stop renumbering them. Well, hey, we still got your LGY number. LGY, does that stand for legacy? Yeah, it does. All hey, right. before before we get in. We got news? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Axe. It's not just a body spray. Oh, jeez. It is a crossover event. Get ready for it. Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals coming at you summer 2022. Very exciting stuff. I mean, my initial thought when I saw those postings that you showed me from Marvel, the solicits, is that what they are? Is that what they're called? Solicits? So those promo images. Those are promo images, but solicits is a thing. Solicits so. is a thing. Was oh my goodness, this is how the X Men enter the MCU because they just started with Eternals. So this new storyline, this is it. I mean, that would be a, a drastic diversion from what everybody else wants or is thinking, but it is giving them at least some grounds for a way in through an Eternals connection. Hmm. But I think people would... <laughs> people would ride in the streets. Yeah. Everyone is like, boo, Alicia, that's not what we want. <laughs> Poo-poo on you. Oh. You want to talk about other Marvel video-type properties? That was a terrible segue, but... Video-type properties. The social media, Marvel social media... Yes. ...published a animation. An animation catching you up on everything you needed to know about Krakoa. Oh, yeah. Nice little... Krakoa, the island of Krakoa. Yeah, it was honestly beautiful. And so many people are calling for it to be the animated style of a new series. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, how do we get this? Let's get another animated series. Yeah. The Krakoan Age. There's so many people that there was... A... Someone commented, um, "What's what was that last part again about cloning you and re-implanting <laughs> your memories? I'm sorry, what was that about? Yeah, there are some... There are some Plot points that if you don't know them and you just hear them in a Cliff Notes version, you're like, whoa, 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 like, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back for a second. They did what to Mars? 
Any other news? Any, oh yeah, I got three. Else? I got three more. Oh, I got three, three more. more got, newses. Hey, three so more newses. Three more newsies. These is for the newsies. Set you up. Nug it down. The complete history of Wolverine Part One is an article published on Marvel.com. It's basically the work cited page that I literally asked for last episode with complete links and details on Wolverine Origin and Origin Two. The it's, two series that are referenced in the Life of Wolverine. They're trying to give you all the info. Right. No, I, and they I just, want you to be armed. I applaud that because I feel like it's a really concentrated effort of not only having a next connection point to follow up for more information, but to take the entirety of Wolverine's continuity and reinvest in it as a full story. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's a great tool to have when you're trying to tell such an in-depth story. Um, with yeah. lives and deaths of Wolverine. It's really smart to have that out there for people. Right, and a character that's been around for, what, like close to 50 years, a little bit less than 50 years. Yeah, there's years. a lot of history there. And a lot of people taking their takes. There was a, a script page. So Jerry published on Twitter a page from the initial script that he sent to Pepe and Marta from this week's X-Men issue mm. with a side-by-side of some of the finished results. And I think that that's just really interesting. So I took that and I put it next to the first page and then had the second page. So you can actually see how the script initially translates to the final pages. And I love a behind-the-scenes moment. Yeah, and, and the different changes that happened along the way. I think it was really interesting. I read through the entire script and then saw where the bubbles landed and text changed but general ideas still there and speaking of behind the scenes we got a sneak peek from chris claremont of the gambit miniseries that he's working on right now oh snap what kind of sneak peek was that in case you're someone maybe who missed it it. well it's on our instagram if you want to go check it out great okay i'll have to go look at that uh but it is a couple pages from the series upcoming and it shows remy and stormy Stormy? Stormy, the little storm. Oh, no. We've had this conversation. Baby storm. Essentially. D-age storm. Why does it look like he's literally at the Columbus Theater in downtown Providence? D-age storm. The second page, I just included a couple of classic panels of the pair. I was going to say, why does this look like old comics, 80s comics? Late 80s, early 90s, because it is. Because it is. That's it. That's all I got. That's the news. And that's the news. That's all you'll get for the news. Now for the reviews. All right. So Infinity Comic first. Number 19, Paradise Lost. Number seven, So Much Rot Inside. I really liked this issue. This You, you said that last week, too. Yeah, this Infinity Comic series I think is my favorite. Oh, I think it's got the best ending. It didn't end. Right. I just feel like it's been straight fire for this one and the last <laughs> one. But there are a couple of ones before that that it was okay. Okay. Well, I think this one, I mean, the Nature Girl one definitely had yeah. some major Krakoan world implications. But this one feels the most tied to Krakoa as a whole. Although the yeah, Wolverine one was, you know peeps being kidnapped and experimented on so that's also interesting i don't know i think i very much like i think i am learning that i really like deadpool comics good i really like the fourth wall break and like even the mention of 
does he mention the writer of Deadpool comics at one point not wanting to write out the name of his regenerative thing every single week maybe or every single month yeah I just I don't know who the person was that he named but that's what I assumed when I read it oh no that was a movie early on in the I know you're talking about that was an actor director who I think that they're making a joke about that Turns out it wasn't actually, but I didn't get the reference, so let's oh, just well, dive into it. I got the reference in my own brain in my own way. So there you go. There you made you it go. your own. I made it for me. So this is billed as the penultimate chapter. So last week we were wondering, hey, how many, how many more? How many we got? We got one more after this. So we got one more. That's so what penultimate means. There you go. Second to last. Deadpool back and sassier than ever with his recap. Juggy and Deadpool are making their weird jokes. We're not friends. Don't call me yeah, Juggy. They are assuring us they're not friends and teeing up the arrival of the human adaptoid. What is up with Krakoa? Krakoa is angry. Yeah. I mean, it's sleepwalking. You know, it's yeah. it's got this twisted influence from the human adaptoid and our, our gruesome twosome is going to divide and conquer. Deadpool isn't doing too well as Krakoa takes him down. And the human adaptoid talking smack about Juggernaut's relationships to Krakoan people. Mm-hmm. How all these other supervillains are welcomed with open arms and not him. Well, first of all, Kane is not and has never been a mutant. Well, there you go. That's the reason. Sinister made himself a mutant just so he could be able to come to the party. Right, but he is a mutant. Now, yes. But I feel like that was to lead us into the later conversation and, and where things are probably going to go that allow Juggernaut to be on Krakoa by the mm-hmm. end of this Infinity comic. I think that's where we're going to end up Something's with. Something's going to happen. I love this bee attack where he's got the arm full of bees and Krakoa just throwing limbs, tree limbs at him. Stomping on people, whipping those branches around. Interesting how the human adaptoid can use a Cyclops eye beam situation. Where did he get that? Dr. Stasis Orcus connection. Maybe. maybe. I mean, just this, the point that I thought, wait, was that a Cyclops thing? And then Deadpool was like, huh, that kind of seemed like a Cyclops thing. Yeah, but then it was hot. It was hot. Yeah, yes. so I don't know if that means it's, it's something it's different. different. Yeah. It's not real. It's not really Cyclops. They kind of looked like Cyclops' optic blast, but they were really hot. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so what you're talking about is the the human hemorrhoid, as Deadpool calls him, <laughs> taking him down, taking Deadpool down, and, and calling out that he wants to locate some very specific individuals on the island. Mm-hmm. So he's Sinister, here, Magneto, yeah. and Charles Xavier. And so Juggernaut reaches out to Charles, and somehow, not like ever before, they're able to communicate with the helmet on. New suit, new rules, baby. Yeah, he makes them. And he brings up, kind of kind of in like a heartfelt conversational moment, hey, how come you letting all these other people on your island and in your council, and you're not like not your step bro? Not your step bro? And Charles is like, Kane, I uh, this, hardly the time. Hardly the time. Hardly the time. As Sinister... Seemingly gets killed. Doug is in a deep sleep. Yeah. Cannot be woken. Sinister gets killed and we get that tease for the next issue. Indeed we do. And now Deadpool, he knows how to kill the human hemorrhoid. 
Written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Matthew Horick, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, letters by Joe Sabino. Is that, you mean VCs, Joe Sabino? I don't. <laughs> so you like you like this uh, Infinity comic? I do. Big fan. Big fan. Be looking up some Deadpool. I like the Juggernaut Deadpool back and forth. That's a good power Buddy comedy-esque relationship. Yeah. Did you just call them a power couple? Power. Co- I said power combo, but oh. <laughs> maybe it's a pretty That's good. A good power couple. <laughs> Speaking of power couples. Oh, snap. I didn't say it, but you set me up for a segue to Black Panther, our first physical comic or what do you what do you call it? Bigs? Bigs versus Littles? Like, what do you call them? Because sometimes people do get them digitally. Paper comics. But sometimes people do get them digitally. But I call them paper comics. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought of that answer before you finished your sentence, okay. and then I didn't have anything else Great. to say. Main titles, full-length comics. There you go, full-length comics. I like horizontal that. Horizontal comics, panel comics. I don't know. I could keep going. Yeah. Alex Ross cover. I like it. So this, this honestly, this cover is what got me into this title. This is the reason why I was so hyped to check it out. Look at Storm. And it has delivered. The hype was real. Issues one and two were worth it on their own merit and set up this story to give you that segue in, which you get most of the details that you need to be able to get this connection point. I did it. It was sufficient for me there you to go. read just number three. A rhyme. All right, here we go. Page turn noise. Black Panther, The Long Shadow, book three. Right into that title page. Written by John Ridley. Art by Juan Cabral. With Ibrahim Mustafa. Colors by Matt Milla. And letters, Joe Sabino again. VC's Joe Sabino, Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. All right, we're digging in. We're digging in. I don't know what's happening here. What do you... We got a standoff, right? This actually picks up right where our last issue of Black Panther left off. So if you were reading, you know that these sleeper agents that T'Challa has installed are all being targeted by an unknown agency of assassins. So these sleeper agents, T'Challa is the only one who knew about them. They faked their death in some places like Jahai. Amolola was one of these agents and was romantically involved with Jahai. Oh. And so... T'Challa, the only person that knows of their existence, but somehow they're being targeted and killed. Yikes. And so he is closing down the sleeper agent program. It's over. Party's over, friends. Yeah. All of that to get you to a place where you can really enjoy this action sequence as they fight these assassins. It is a great action sequence. There's some great art in this book. Yeah, Juan Cabral is one of the stormbreakers, as they're referred to. What does that mean? That's kind of the next crop of artists that Marvel is highlighting for their books. Like the noobs? Not really noobs. It's like the next kind of ushering them into their next stage of their career. Pepe Larraz was a storm. Uh, it wasn't a stormbreaker that year. I think it was like a young gun. Mm. But after they're able to take them down, they're looking for some friends and a place to lay low. Maybe some friends on Mars? Oh, perhaps we'll venture to Mars. And while we're waiting for that trip, we get Shuri and the chief of security. So they're talking about the new government of Wakanda. Shuri and what is his name? Akili? Yeah, Akili. So the new government of Wakanda. T'Challa is no longer king of Wakanda. The people created a government when he left slash disappeared on his missions into space. 
and he has agreed to stay involved in a figurehead kind of way. So he's still called the king, but he doesn't have any power, actually. Right. I mean, he's been king for years and years and years. However long Marvel time is, he's been king for five years only. Marvel time. Right. 200 issues. No, no, because, you know, like only 185 or something like that. He had to become the king. So the people created a government while he was not there, and apparently Achille thinks that he's needed now more than ever as factions are forming in the new space and changing leadership. So people that either disagree with what's going on or have their own vision for what should go on. And, you know, T'Challa's just kind of sitting back like, hey, you wanted this. You wanted this democracy? Yeah. Not my chair, not my problem. Basically. Literally. Not my throne, not my problem. But it is totally your chair. But like, yeah, that's, that's true. That's, you should still be involved the, in some way. The country that you've led for decades. Shuri calling for a status update, getting pissed that they didn't capture one of the assassins for her to interrogate. This conversation of them going back and forth is just super salty. It makes me feel like the writing of Shuri in the movies is very accurate to how Shuri acts in the comics. Like I heard Shuri's voice when I was reading this mm. in that sassy like i'm picking a fight with you but in a playful way tone Mm -hmm. like i'm smarter than you and i'm just gonna dance around the fact that i don't need to be having this conversation it it came across very well in the movies it it, or i should say they mesh well like they coexist wonderfully (laughs) so while they're traveling to Mars, T'Challa and Amalola are having a conversation about some deep stuff. They're getting into not only their connection through Jahai, but how they're doing as people. Mm -hmm. T'Challa is not willing to share. He doesn't want to talk about his hurt, his pain, his happiness, or lack thereof. No comment. Yeah. The things that he's asked to go through as a king is just part of his business. And then they arrive. On beautiful, beautiful Mars. Yep. Arako, if you want to give it its its proper name currently. Imagine being someone who doesn't read X-Men comics. And you're, you're just a Black Panther fan. <laughs> and you're reading this book. And you see this page with this bubble and editor's note doing the most amount of work in the least amount of text to summarize what Arako is. Oh, yeah. Mars. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's actually called Arako, the newly terraformed capital of the solar system. As of Planet Size X-Men, number one. Uh, Okay, I guess I'll go check that out because I don't know what you're talking about, T'Challa. And then the bomb drop. Hello, my love. Well, I mean, I honestly, I was not taken off guard by that. That, That's just, you know, we're we're cordial. We left on good terms. My love. The welcome committee, you know. It was later on that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. (laughs) But... The X-Men hinted in the issue that we'll read later on, Rogue was off in space with Polaris and Jean. Is this where they were? I assumed Game World when I read that. Well, you could be anywhere in space at any time. And also, they do in that issue talk about satellites and communication between Arako and Krakoa. So maybe that has something to do with where they're at, what they're up to, Rogue and the gals. But she's here now. Yep. Gambit's here too because the lighthouse was destroyed. Betsy's trapped in other worlds. He's just kind of floating until April when the Knights of X comes out and he's got a a shore title to do some stuff in. Just hanging out with his wife. Yeah. We've got some gentle greetings 
popping off. Gentle is angry. Yeah. He's straight up backhands to Jala. Yeah. This anger over his backstory that we know it, the fact that he's never felt welcome in Wakanda and has found a home with the X-Men over the years of his continuity. Storm breaking it up. I'm like, hey, Gentle, go chill. Like, I'm, gentle, I've seen gentle. You go crazy. I've never seen you go crazy like that. Just take a moment, please. Yeah. He's like choke holding him. He's oh, like, yeah. I'm going to take you down. This is over. And Storm yeah. is like, uh, boys, could we not right now? Please, thank you. Yeah, he really sells the anger. <laughs> yeah, for real. Storm and Black Panther catching up. This was heart, humor, happy faces. But yeah, the line, when you and I got back together, what? I'm sorry, what? When I read that and, and then I saw them kiss on the next page, I was like, what did I miss? When did this happen? I never finished reading the Ta-Nehisi Coates run that I mm-hmm. mentioned previously, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda and where that comes from. But I went back to check out some of the last handful of issues because it is not referenced at all in X-Men comics and is almost set up to make you think that they're being divided even further with that Marauders issue, oh, which yeah. is the last time that I really saw them together. But Yeah, because when she went to get the sword yeah. for Ten of Swords, it was not good terms. No, not at all. Snap. Well, they're together now, and they love each other. They've been together for a little while, it seems. It's just on the download. I don't think I don't think the Quiet Council knows about it or something. Well, the Quiet Council doesn't need to know everything, and Storm has to go do some regent stuff. Yeah, and you know what the Quiet Council should know, though? What? This sleeper agent situation. Nah, it's a sleeper agent. They don't know. Nobody ah, knows. Do you think Storm knows? I don't think so. You can't be keeping them secrets from her. She's going to get mad. Doesn't she even ask? Are you hiding something from me? To Gentle? No, it's to T'Challa. Oh, I think he's... Yes. I think that she is asking more, like, why is he on the run? What, what's going on? Doesn't matter. Question still a question. Yeah, I sure. asked if you were hiding something. Well, you multiple, said no. Multiple things, apparently. Things I can't talk about right now because... Gentle. Gentle. Yeah. Coming out of the shadows. He's been a sleeper agent. One of these sleeper agents that we've been talking about in the run of Black Panther. Assumably his entire continuity. Sorry I hit you. Can we hug now? Yeah. Let's hug it out, man. The separation and lack of community in Wakanda potentially being said to have been intentional to set this up, maybe? Mm. Like all, It kind of makes you think about his entire backstory that we know it so far. I was not expecting this at all. No. And was very excited by the surprise but also confused in how this has you read Gentle's story differently. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I want to hold on that because that was that's my first question. Okay. How long has Gentle been a character? Do you know roughly? Uh, I don't have his first appearance off the top of my head, but I can pull it up. It's It was before X-Men Red. But he's new? Years. Just a few years? No. Yeah, at least 10. Okay. Well, I'm asking... 2006 was his first appearance. Okay, cool. So I'm asking because you said, you know, this basically changes his whole history. Well, it makes you view it in a different way. It makes the reasoning change. So would this be, am I experiencing a retcon? Is this a retcon? I believe so, yeah. So this is like a retroactive change in how you would view this person's A retroactive continuity? Yes, a retcon? Yeah, I was trying not to use the word in the definition. So I know, but I'm just saying I figured it. I I noticed, acknowledged, experienced a retcon. My <laughs> only other one is Moira's not a Moira's a mutant. 
I mean, other, other than the retcon wranglers, yeah. Right, right. That's what I mean. Like a real-time Like real-time experience of a retcon. There were two other stories in this issue, but... I they, didn't read them. <laughs> they were good, but they're more to explore Black Panther's character and set up a future character for this series. Great if you enjoy the run, which I have been, but not really relevant to what we're talking about. What do you think about this section of the issue that you read? I enjoyed it for the nugget of information it gave me that would further the Krakoan Wakandan connection and especially um, <clears throat> T'Challa and Gentle. I loved the T'Challa storm moment and that reveal. Mm. Overall, it gave me what I needed to know to get through the issue, but there's also obviously a lot that just felt like, okay, I'm just reading this because I need to re- get <laughs> to the good storm part. storm is on the cover. I need to get to the X-Men part. Yeah. But it was good. It was beautifully drawn. The colors were really gorgeous. Yeah. Had humor, had nice character moments. Yeah, I've been really enjoying these issues. I thought this made the payoff worthwhile. The I've been enjoying one and two. This gave me an entryway in with the X-Men. I started reading this because of this title, which big picture, I don't know if that was actually necessary for me to read those other two issues. I had a little bit more confidence in the story right now going in mm-hmm. but i probably could have just gotten this issue big yep. picture i don't think it changes much for the x-men but it does set up two interesting connection points to wakanda both through storm and now gentle yes and but if we're being completely honest when do you ever just read one you generally will go back and read the whole series of something. Even if something is referenced, you're like, oh, you know what? Let me just go read that mini real quick. Right. Well, that's that's very different in my mind. That is, I can pull it up in Marvel Unlimited or something like that versus I'm pulling this title. Like This I, is in your box. Right. You say, hey, Chris, where's my Black Panther? Yes. <laughs> so the gentle reveal. Yes. The well, gentle reveal. It was revealed gently. Sorry, I just, it took my brain a minute to go, nope, the character. Okay, go. <laughs> I've bewildered Justin. He doesn't know how to respond to that. He's, his face says, Alicia, that made no sense. Why did you just say that? I'm how probably going to cut this out. Yep. <laughs> so were you surprised by that reveal? Yes. How does this potentially affect his bid for X-Men election? Well... I wish we had this information during the voting. Why? Because this is scandalous. And maybe people wouldn't have voted for him if they thought that he was a double agent. Or maybe they would have because that makes some cool stories. Yeah, that's true. I think I was surprised by this, but also not blown away by it because I don't know a lot about Gentle. And I haven't seen him in a lot of stories. So... This could have very well been, you know, I personally didn't know too, too much about his history with Wakanda. I know he mentions it here, but it was not life shattering to me. It was more (gasps) scandal, intrigue. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we'll just know that it is life shattering to him in terms of his reader's continuity. I understand that now from you explaining it. You seem very much so here for the Storm and Black Panther romance. I love it. You love them together? Any particular reason why? Or just you love Storm? Because they're both hot. (laughs) Because they're both baddies. Just because they're both... You always want to see two... They're a power couple. They're a power couple. That's why. Power couple. Yeah. 
I like it like this. I'll be honest. I have not really been a big fan of their relationship just because I feel like when you have the two of them in a story, it's like, okay, is this an Avengers story? Is this an X-Men story? Is this Storm supporting Black Panther? Is this Black Mm. Panther supporting Storm? I just feel like the two of them as individuals have so much gravitas and pull yes, as individuals. Yes, that's what I was trying to put into my That it's words. hard to balance who gets top billing, you know? Like who mm-hmm. who's whose comic is it in a Storm and Black Panther? That I understand that. I like this where Right, right. They, it's a, it's been a secret essentially the whole time. Well, I, I like the way it's set up that they each have their own individual lives, but then they have their moments together. Like, I don't want to see a Storm and Black Panther story, but I would like to see Storm visit Wakanda once in a while and Black Panther visit Araco and them just have this, like, side relationship that we get to see the relationship part of, but we're not necessarily seeing Storm and T'Challa out fighting at the same time. Like, fighting something together. Right. I want it for the personal reasons. Yeah. But we never see them on Krakoa because T'Challa does not recognize Krakoa. He will not go there. Or at least Wakanda because I, I would assume now that that means that that's up to the government. Mm. Beyond interesting, T'Challa. Interesting, Something yes. to think about. Gambit and Rogue vacationing in space. Just having fun. They're just there just because. Just because. Rogue's not doing enough in the last two weeks. She's been in like three other titles. She's just bopping around. She's getting a taste. Yeah. Seeing what she likes best. See what's out there. She hadn't really been doing much in the X-Men title that she's actually in. That's true. Hey, do we go on? Any last thoughts? Any? No, I'm ready for Marauders. Even though, you know, I, Marauders maybe was the best one, but that's okay. We got to step away from needing to rank them in, in order like that. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the personal reason that you chose to put X-Men last? Because it was a payoff from a setup from last issue. Fine. <laughs> That's really it. All right. Well, it's the Marauders Annual. Look at this cover. Look at those baddies. Russell Dodderman, always great to see him. Yes. Some new Marauders back in our captain as they take on love. Mm-hmm. I want to point it out now because it'll come up later. Akiro has bone claws on the cover. Oh. Generally is known for having bone claws. Done. Everybody, Alicia, pay attention to the art going forward in this book. All right, here we go. Digging in. I'm so excited. Page turn noise. Well, speaking of Akira rocking his earless Wolverine cowl. There he is. That connects to absolutely nothing on his shirt. And metal claws. And immediately. Snicking away those shiny metal claws. A lot of people asking about this on on the internet. Just where they come from? Why does he have metal claws? Could be a resurrection modification. A very recent because he had bone claws in X Factor, the run of X Factor as well. Do you think this would be a mistake, or they know? I think it might be. That's why I'm calling attention oh, to it. Snap! But he's investigating a tip and found a ton of mutant bones buried. A few instances of him using a memory flare. Mm. Not a telepath, but somehow tapping into their network of sorts. I would like to bring up something about this memory flare. In the first time, so we see him using it here. And he calls out to Psylocke, Prestige, and Xavier. 
okay? Later, in his data page about this, he is basically prepping three telepaths to say, pay attention. And he says, Psylocke, Prestige, and Emma. So why the swap? Why the swap? Why did you choose Charles in the moment? But you prepared. You prepared Emma. I have no idea. No one does. I thought you were going to ask who Prestige was. No, I don't. I feel like I've heard that name before, so I felt that I should know that, and I <laughs> just moved on from it. But Rachel Summers. P- what? Sometimes called Prestige, yeah. Nope. Okay, I have no idea. What? <laughs> yes. Prestige. But speaking of multiple names, Akira has so many names, and they keep going back and forth between he, in this book. The first has, time- He has two names. Three? What are the three? It's Akira and Dokken. There's not a third? Okay, well, I don't like the back and forth. Okay. Pick one. Call him Dokken. I like Akiro better. All right, whatever. Call him Akiro. Just pick one. But anyway, he's got bones. He's going to send up his flare because... Explosion. He's cooked medium well. He's been melted. Prepare the theater. We've got some ominous text bubbles. I like his nail polish. He's got pink nails. Title page, A New Horizon. Hellfire and Brimstone. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Chris Lee. Color art by Rain Barreto. Letters by Corey Pettit. VC's Corey Pettit. Captain and Captain. I love, love another book where I love the art. I'm into Kate being drawn this way. I actually really do like Kate's look in this book. This won't be the series artist, which I think is an odd choice to have someone else do the art duties on this annual but i do like the way that she looks and i I love this dialogue on this page Mm -hmm. kate and bishop surveying the destroyed marauder talking about their need for a new crew and distilling the mission to its core as they get a new team which is what it's what we've been looking forward to for this new marauders team and i love the build of this team but i also really like the relationship between kate and bishop i like their back and forth and i like how he is proud to have her be his captain because he's such a strong, powerful character. Right. And I love how much he supports and respects her. Yeah. He's basically like leading quietly from a second position. Mm-hmm. But you've got enough to worry about. So Kate goes out. She's doing her thing. She's going to get those people. Immediately going to Psylocke. Interesting for seeking Conan out to join this team. So... After getting promoted to war captain, she's been hiding in the depths of Krakoa? She just needed a minute. She's been through a lot. I guess so. I do this page in particular, this image of Kate right here. Mm-hmm. I love it. Really great artistically. I love it. Green Lagoon and Tempo in the same page? Marauders, you spoil me. <laughs> Tempo, fast forwarding through her breakup. <laughs> yeah, confirmation of Heather being a lesbian, something that the writer mentioned in interviews before this issue came out. I just... I love that she's fast forwarding through her breakup and then she gets called out on it and then Bishop appears and it's such an easy like, oh, hey, Bishop, okay, gotta go. Gotta go. Which basically rushes her to make a decision. Hey, this is a yes or no answer right now. It's no longer a maybe. And we've made our way to the Boneyard. It's interesting to think of X Factor existing without the title to tell its stories. Mm-hmm. It's a cool idea, but then you have two members joining Marauders, so that doesn't necessarily check out. So I wonder, like that was probably top of mind in this, what's happening in the Boneyard? 
Like they're not just going to tear it down because the team is no longer active. Right. But, yeah, that's you know, interesting. Is there a status of did the X Factor team get canceled in universe? Yeah. You know, or is it just and they're just hanging out now? Right. Right. Because, well, Polaris is already gone. Polaris is an X-Men. And then these two are leaving. Aurora and Akira. So then that leaves. And then Rachel is going to Knights of X. Oh, yeah. So that leaves Northstar and iBoy. Prodigy. Prodigy. Kyle. Kyle! iBoy better do something. And Northstar like, will definitely do something. I feel like they set iBoy up to do something. He's got to do something. He's, He's iBoy. Look at all those eyes. He can see so many things. So Kate was coming to recruit Akiro, but happened to stumble upon him missing in their first mission. But I do like the moment to call out about his found family. And I think it's a nice setup for the fact that he is now missing and this new found family is going to go find him. Well, especially as Conan is there and, and reeling with the fact of not having a family of her own and Kate telling her, no, you, we are a family on this ship. Yeah, and I, I really did like that moment between the two of them when, just to go back a page, when um, Kate said, I've got a home on my boat, Psylocke, and I never want to lose anyone again. And just saying, you know, Psylocke is so upset over what happened and so concerned that she can never then be accepted or be part of a family because of what happened. And this whole building of the Marauders is saying, hey, all of y'all that feel lost or unwanted or whatever, we're going to come together and we're going to do what we can for any mutant who feels lost and unwanted. Mm -hmm. It's a nice thematic tie-in. Yeah. But let's go find Aurora. We got to find Aurora. This whole issue is a is deep cut city. Aurora saves Stitch, a Z-list Department H recruit. Bouncer was at the Green Lagoon and the two villain types on the other side of this conveniently timed recruitment scene with bishop about finding Dokken and and some other reason aurora says we'll find somnus used to love him too <laughs> i really enjoyed this issue but some of these recruitment reasonings feel i don't know flimsy it's like well i was here and and then i was here and well you're here and you gotta you gotta just do the little like Candyland, go through your board game gather up your your munchkins sure get to the prize at the end Data page. Akira taking his tips and giving us the backstory that led to our opening pages. Carver and the Morlocks connected to a pit of bones. Deeper connections to the original Marauders and the Mutant Massacre. This details of his plan for the memory flare mm -hmm. that you mentioned early on. Prestige, Emma, and Psylocke. It'll be big and loud and hard to miss. Catch up if you can, but I can't wait. And we meet up with Somnus. Recruiting him while he's doing some dream therapy with Iceman and Christian. Okay, whose face are they dancing on? That's Christian's father, I believe, who is expressing distaste for what he brings to the Frost name. Ah, because he's in love with Iceman? Because he's a mutant, because he's gay. Could, Go away. Any reason to be a bigot. Go away, Christian's father, who I don't know. But really... They're just in a hot tub. Yeah. I'm still curious to know more about Somnus's power. Mm-hmm. How it works and just what else it can do. No time for that now. Or a towel. Time to go. I love Kate. K 
Kate is like covering her eyes. Like she's so embarrassed to see him without a towel. Like he has underwear on. And she's just looking away like, okay, well, um, just moving on. Out to South Salem, New York. On with the show, the theater of pain. Charles Xavier abandoned his dream of man and mutant. So we gather here together in unity and rebellion of his paradise. The ex stockade of sorts. Quit speaking, Akira. You're pissing off love. <laughs> you're going to sizzle your mouth shut. Yeah. And he's got this pitch. You know, once I feared being a mutant, I awaited Charles Xavier's promise of man and mutant living together. I believed in his dream. And like so many, I watched in shock as he built an island where mutants were gods and humans weren't invited. Krakoa is an abandonment of Xavier's promise. But in betraying our faith, Xavier has united those who believe in real equality. It's an interesting place to come from with a somewhat valid argument that's come up out of Krakoa since its launch. I don't think Brimstone actually believes it. No, I think he just likes to cause trouble. Right. He's just trying to recruit people to hate what the mutants are doing and trying to create a crevice and divide between people even further by preaching unity. But I will say in reading this issue through a second time, I really started to understand the perspective a little bit differently. So if you think about, there's something that someone says in in a couple of pages of, you know, that's how it starts. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the perspective that the mutants took back back in the day, you know? Uh, Mutant registration or segregation of of mutants in some way, like that's how it starts. First, you just want to know that we're a mutant and then you take that a next step further. So I can understand how people can take that and see it from the flip side. Like first, you want to create a place where only mutants are welcome because you're doing it, uh, they're doing it from we're creating a safe space for mutants. We've been murdered for decades and we're, right. we're tired of being but, murdered all the time but i can understand someone saying okay well first they're going to take this space okay they have this island that's only for them no humans and then they're going to go and they're going to get even larger and they're going to take a full planet and then what happens next when do they decide they don't need us anymore I mean, and they 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 told you right out, right out of the gate they don't need you right I mean, and, and i think that's where the fear comes from that love is playing on in these humans yeah it's just, it's interesting to call out because of the misguided nature of that fear, essentially getting defensive or getting scared because they no longer depend on you or they're no mm-hmm. longer interested in cohabitation that ended in them just being persecuted and hunted down year after year after year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's completely valid what the mutants did, but I it made me understand, it made another like click in my brain of, right. oh, this perspective is interesting. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. It just, it calls out a lot of the gray area between human and mutant, Krakoa and Orcus. What else, where else do people fall? Where right. else do mutants fall? Because we do have, and I, I feel like both Brimstone and Carver are doing this to just stoke fear. Right. And, and with a connection to an unnamed third that we yes. find in the later data yes. page. But it also brings up the point of people feeling hurt humans who were on the side of mutants, who did want to believe that they could live together, who do feel hurt by this idea that mutants have taken that step back, which is more of them thinking about the situation of how it affects them and not how it affects right. the mutants. Yes. But it's just another layer of complication that's added into the situation. It's a, it's a couple pages from here, the human that feels left out 
it's kind of the core of the argument about how I kind of think it's foolish, but it brings up this idea of the gray area between Xavier's dream and where we are now. Mm-hmm. But this random human who used to be an ally to mutants as they were getting slaughtered, essentially, to feel hurt as that they've found peace for themselves is somehow a slap to him. It's interesting because it reminds me of like white guilt. Yeah. Right? And so you you think you're doing a good thing and then you're taking that person's experience and making it about you. Right. It's not about you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I was here trying to help you and now you've gone and helped yourself. Right. Instead, you should be happy for them that they found something that helps them. But this guy is terrifying. and, and, And I would say almost white savior less so Mm. white guilt yes yes you're right you're right but brimstone love is terrifying oh yeah yeah yeah. he looks like he's straight out of limbo (laughs) this is i believe someone can check me his first appearance outside of the 2099 storyline oh so x-men 2099 but it would make sense that if that is a possible future for where mutants are going that he could have shown up much earlier. Mm-hmm. The team has arrived in Connecticut. Yeah. Putting together the pieces and searching for a hero. A cool use of Tempo's power to rewind the time of the location. And I also love that Bishop is holding a tablet with the actual data page that we saw just a few pages ago. Yeah. That's a nice detail. That's a nice tie-in. So this is that human that I was talking about a couple pages before. Mm-hmm. And then you get Brimstone striking a nerve with people who think they... Sh- should feel wrong mm-hmm. but i feel like it's just it's classic fear-mongering you know it's it's playing on the emotions that are there it's stoking those emotions it's kind of revving them up it's mm-hmm. it, uh i can't remember the instagram username it was like d1 l o or something something like that that they were talking about how this reminded them of far-right propaganda mm-hmm. and, and stoking the fear to rebel against something that is, is essentially pitting them against each other. Yeah. So what is love's power? Do you know? Is it this mind manipulation or being able to sort of influence thoughts of the people around? Because it seems like that's taken to the next level. It's more than just a suggestion. It's it's a more powerful influence over how their thoughts are changing while he's, you know, preaching or putting on his show. Brimstone Love claims the source of his powers is the earth itself. He has super strength and durability, teleportation and pyrokinesis. Mm. So no. No, but he's always had the theater of pain and this uh this idea of capturing people and and holding artists capture to play off of their fears and to draw out painful memories. Mm. So this influence through trauma and through connection. I do love the dramatics of him as a character. I love that he has to like set up his stage and his facial expressions are very vivid and just this particular page where he is so happy to have just sliced Akiro's throat and then his face completely changes smell that marauders as they drop from the sky and they're framing the problem as we're reading about it right so he's Mm -hmm. convinced these people that they were betrayed by Xavier which I I do love that this issue is it's a longer issue Mm -hmm. and it's a bigger idea 
but it takes a handful of times to express that idea throughout mm-hmm. and, and through yes. the various ways so that you're not missing the full point that right. that love is the villain you know he he makes a convincing argument to these people that are there and and peaks up the interest of the gray area between where humans and mutants are but he is very much so he is the, the bad, bad guy. guy but this is like when you when you talk about villains that we need more of this is a villain that has an interesting unique motivation has a different approach is is filling a void that is not otherwise occupied and has staying power because he doesn't go away at the end of this no he does not because what follows right now are a handful of pages diving into the philosophical bull that love is slinging along (laughs) with some cool action akiro getting roasted again again aurora blasting carver's face and then making way for akiro's berserker rage i love the art the the panels are so engaging. The facial expressions are so wonderful. It just it's very beautifully action packed. Yeah, especially that Akiro Dokken page where he's growling, mm-hmm. claws bared, and he attacks Brimstone from behind, slicing his ear or a little horn thing. <laughs> that's how the pyrokinesis right the way that he's yeah. erupting in flames the way that he's cauterizing the wound of his horn with his hand and he's on the run and he takes the whole area with him i'm going and y'all are coming with me and we get our data page after the giant gaping hole in the ground and our, our team just kind of taking it all in and, and letting people know hey love would have pulled you all down with him but don't worry we have sanctuary and a spaceship and it's an interesting juxtaposition of the fact that his name is love. Mm-hmm. And if you just read it at that sentence of love would have pulled you all down with him, you know, this idea that you can, a person can be so infatuated with something that it takes them away into another direction. Mm. And like love in that sense of infatu- infatuation and obsession versus romantic love or actual healthy love yeah it's just a very interesting lens to look at it through and also to connect back to a little bit more of his philosophy in the fact that he is with carver and carver is a morlock and is making reference to the fact that morlocks live in arizona Mm -hmm. morlocks live they still live separate in other places right and and so this together but not equal mentality of where do the Morlocks fit? Where do the ones with useful powers fit versus the ones without useful powers? And did the Morlocks make that decision on their own? Because they are welcome. I believe, yes, they are welcome. I think it was just kind of setting up something for themselves. I'd have to go back. I think it came out of Hellions and Marauders, the fact that Grey Crow was welcome, mm-hmm. even though he is a legacy marauder yes but wait it's another data page encryption level revelatory brimstone reporting out there's someone else in the mix who has yet to be revealed a sponsor of his shows yes who wants him to be pushing this agenda some i think someone in the house of x facebook group posted about potentially being revelation Mm. which is a character that we haven't seen much of in publication history but 
someone that was sealed in stasis due to the dangerous nature of her power. She has a death aura. Oh. Constantly emits an aura that kills anyone who enters it. Interesting. Which would be someone that felt as though they are not welcome in a paradise for mutants. Yeah, that's true. We got a new boat. New boat, new team. Aftermath and libations. Celebrating their success and, hey, y'all want to do this again next month? To the Marauders. And on the other side, wrapping up some Hellfire. My goodness. On this other side. Kate is giving up her role in the actual company of Hellfire Trading to be handled by Christian Frost. Shaw hates it, and I'm confused as to what it means in terms of division of power and responsibility. Mm. You know, she... Sells the black market drugs and the, you know, I just, I, I need an org chart for Hellfire Trading. Update. But also since she calls him the Red Monarch, is she giving up the Red Queen title and she's just becoming the captain of the Marauder? I believe so, because the Red Queen title was the Red Queen of the Hellfire Trading Yes. Company. So now that would mean that the White Queen is the Cuckoos, the Black Queen is Lords, and the Red... King, King is, is Christian. Christian. Right. So the whole thing is switched up. Right. And does Kate, what does she go by now? You know, Captain Kate, baby. Captain Kate. Just Captain Kate. Captain of the Marauder. All right. Into it. Keeper of the box. The Mysterium puzzle box, two billion years old and inscribed in Krakoan. So this is the box this that is, Mystique yep. got for Emma. Yeah. The box. This is the deal... The deal-making box. Yep. It was teased at the Hellfire Gala back in June. Somewhat of a reveal, but still a lot to unpack is there's not a whole lot of detail. This mystery will carry us into the next iteration of the series. This is where Cassandra comes in. Sure, yeah. yeah this absolutely. is, she's, she's wherever this map is taking them, she's there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy to see, okay, there's a box. Okay, it's two billion years old. It's made out of Mysterium, which very recently developed is a recent development. So this is a time traveling box because it's also written in Krakoan. It's written in Krakoan. It says Pride in Krakoan on it. P-R-Y-D-E. And the map inside is in Kate's handwriting. Right. We'll have to wait until April to find out. I don't like it. Tell me now. No. You're caught up. You can't binge. You have to wait until things come out. I don't like it. What's that Krakoan? Let's see. It says, don't know, E-N, 10 lives. No. Nope. 10 deaths. Set sail. <laughs> That's a T? Yes. I thought it was an N. All right. I don't know, Krakoan. What'd you think? I loved it, obviously. I'm I'm very excited about the new team. I like the dynamic of the characters together. I like getting to know characters that I don't know that well. I'm very excited for where they're going. I really like Kate and Bishop's relationship. I think this was a really nice way of giving you a moment to gather each of the team members to solidify this is the new team to give them a mission that didn't just end so there could be yeah he's coming back he's coming back you know setting up a villain for them and then setting up the storyline of the box that's really giving you the keys to what is going to be hopefully a really exciting run for the marauders this this continued tying up loose ends 
from last issue, right? So mm-hmm. issue 27, that kind of, uh, this person's going this way, this person's going this way, this person's taking my role, this person's going over here. Yeah. All right, so now we're, we're continuing that, we're finalizing that, we're bringing in the new team, we're adding in a couple of threads, one that's carrying forward of the box, one that's now going to seemingly be deep within this run, and you can hit issue one running. It's amazing. I feel like issue one is going to be exactly what you said it's going to be just action because they don't need to do setup because they did it in this right so that's cool yeah i really liked how this brought in complex themes and a solid argument even if it was manipulative it just makes me question a lot of the in-between right so who who are the mutants that aren't all for krakoa and what are their reasons why and i feel like there's a lot more ground within that because Everybody's been calling it out. People are acting strange. They're not acting like the characters that we've grown up with. There's a difference in the air. And I know that there's a lot of development in Professor X's backstory mm-hmm. that's now been seeded in with the retcon of the fact that he's been planning this for, for decades right? with Moira and Magneto. But it's a, it's a lot of change for even the other characters that don't have all that background information, that don't know the reasoning why Xavier abandoned his mission of peaceful coexistence, right? These these people, you think of Cyclops. Who, right, only the council knows. Right, and and just recently. Right. You think of all of the X-Men from the first couple of lineups that were like, okay, peace amongst everybody. And and yeah, it wasn't working. It arguably never worked. And and we saw through Moira's lives, never would have worked. Right. But where but does this- it's a huge game changer- and like it's, a flip. And it's a very large step away from where we are now. And and where did that come from? It's, and I feel like that's the question that I keep on thinking of and wondering and asking, you know, Nightcrawler started asking it a little bit mm-hmm. with the, the resurrections and where this priority is coming from and who's in charge. And The other thing that's interesting in what you just brought up about the mutants that are not for Krakoa, it's automatically setting up adversaries and conflict for the marauders because there are going to be mutants in, that they go to get from these places who do not recognize Krakoa and they're mutants that need saving or need to be brought to Krakoa but then there are going to be other mutants who probably stand in their way and say no you, you they're of, just fine here you as think of they Russia are. you think right. of Mikhail you think of what they've got going no we have our own thing you think of Doom from the Fantastic Four yeah. series that no I have my own island for my mutants thank you very much yeah it's just really interesting which my mutants doom like chill out (laughs) Bo. yeah it's uh it's just an interesting setup and it gives a lot of possibilities for story which i really like who in this new team are you most excited about oh man oh man who of the new team not kate not bishop no no um i'm just gonna look at the lineup just to see them all again it's kind of a tie between Tempo and Psylocke because I'm really interested to get to know Tempo as a character, mm. um, but I'm also very interested to see Psylocke in this role because Kanaan didn't really have a, an identity as herself, right? And then she got that in Hellions, but she was the leader of that group. And now she's coming into this group and it goes Kate and then Bishop. And then though she is a war captain, she's not a leader of this group. Right. So I want to see and, how. And Bishop's the captain commander. Right. So like among them, like she's, yeah, she's she, the third. Right. So 
how how does that dynamic work for her? I'm interested to see that. And but I also am really excited about Tempo, but also Aurora. <laughs> All the girls. All of them. All of them. Sorry, Somnus. Sorry, Somnus Akira. is cool. Akira was cool, but I feel like I've gotten to know Akira in, in X Factor. X yeah. Factor. Yeah. I think it's definitely Tempo. I, I like your argument for Psylocke. I think that she was probably one of the MVPs coming out of mm-hmm. 2021, coming out of Hellions. Yeah, has I love had her now. a ton of development in terms of her character story and just also has a lot of stuff going on personally coming out of what happened with Sinister, what happened with her daughter. What if she like finds a mutant child who she basically adopts during this process because she doesn't have a daughter, so she gets a daughter in some way? Yeah. If that happens, called it. <laughs> X-Factor in the Boneyard. Now, we already talked about this, and this kind of is where I was going with this before, but we talked about it in issue. Is this just a place for people to live now and the remaining team members do they still exist and do things in the background in some capacity? I think X Factor as an establishment, as a team, still exists. I think the people on that team have rotated. and But I think that what it was established for in order to continue with resurrection protocols, it still needs to exist in some capacity. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see how that pops up. You mm-hmm. know, is there a reference? Do we see in whatever story happens next someone just makes a hey you know this these three characters that weren't on the book previously they are now on x factor but we don't actually have a title exploring that i think that's a cool way to approach just the titles that we have and and just how do you deal with x corp existing but not needing its own title we don't need to talk about x corp it exists Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I would like X Factor to be mentioned <laughs> right, right. once in a while, I, I, yeah. but I'm okay without X Corp being mentioned. Oh, okay. That could fall under like a side conversation in the Hellfire Trading Company. In Immortal X-Men, probably. Yeah, yeah. Last but not least. It's time to talk about X-Men. X-Men. Number seven. New team lineup. The birth of Captain Krakoa. Leading the charge. Gotta love Pepe and Martha. Yeah. I mean, this cover is super cool. Classic team shot. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about team shots. Every issue is just like one of those beautiful splash pages of whatever team we got that week, that month, dropping in, coming mm-hmm. out of the Thunderbird. <laughs> They're here. All right, here we go. Last issue of the episode, X-Men, number seven, page turn noise. Back to our particularly evil part of New Jersey. Wahaha. Picture day. Say with, cheese. With Dr. Stasis. It's a team photo of its own. You know, we had the cover team photo. And now Dr. Stasis is just gathering up his friends before they go to work. Two things I'd like to point out. One, he says, say cheese. What is cheese? A power word, obviously. That was hysterical. And two, the fact that he says... I need to take a photo so I can remember you all. He's blatantly just saying to you, hey, guys, I'm about to sacrifice You're you. You're about to die. Yes. This I mean, is, this is your end. This Let me has just been, remember you. This has been his MO from the start, though. He was, since issue one, been cooking up things just to watch him fry. Just to watch him burn. Yeah, just to throw heat at the X-Men. You brave chimeras, which is, he calls them. Interesting to think because they are, right? They're mm-hmm. blended animals. They are indeed chimeras. Here, y'all, have a drink. 
Let me make you go cray cray real quick. A Borman, though, I'll call out only one with a name and seemingly higher status than the others. Yes. To humanity and the genomes under its dominion. Dominion. There's that dang a, word I, I again. Called, chimeras and dominion. I had to call them out. But yeah, that transformation when they drink that whatever it is, that science cocktail juice. That rage juice. Yeah. Let me get some of that rage juice. Go, my friends. Make war. Make me proud. I must have his body on a slab by dusk. Dun, dun, dun. Title page. This is how it happens. The secret origin of Captain Krakoa, which shout out to Michael V on Instagram for pointing out the title connection from last issue. Whatever happened to Captain Krakoa, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow is a Superman title. Oh. It's a Superman issue from oh. back in the day. Well, it's also whatever happened to Baby Jane, okay? Just calling myself out. When I Googled the Superman issue, Baby Jane was the first search result when I started typing. That's so right. Just, yes, get it. Yes, so that is a connection. It's just not likely Probably the connection. Probably the connection. Right. Yes, this, what is his name? Michael V? Yeah. You are correct, not me. <laughs> Written by Jerry Dugan, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, letters by Clayton Cowles. He sees Clayton Cowles. Here we go. Digging in. Resurrection. How you feeling? How you feeling looking at these pages? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. The way they're canoodling to me is like old friends. Old friends naked canoodling. No, it's he's, 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 he's draped in a thing and they're back to he's back. He's draped in his goo. That's all he's draped in. No, he's not. He has a towel That's around her his cape. shoulders. Don't be ridiculous. She's not wearing a cape. <laughs> At this current moment. No, I mean, this doesn't feel, it feels like a connection, but it doesn't feel romantic. It feels like family, like friends, like past, mm. like comforting without sex, <laughs> which I'm fine with. I do like how we get this story throughout this issue and last issue split mm -hmm. in a few time points to piece it all together, right? So to play this as a big reveal, to play this as a, as a big thing, this is the end of our first six-issue arc and the beginning of our second six-issue arc with the reveal of how where'd he come from? Well, Scott needs to know, and he wants Emma to show him, but she's not doing it. She hasn't done it, right? So she delivers the news that you can't return to the treehouse I don't actually know, though, because I haven't seen it. It was very public. And I do love Jumbo and Forge coming together to create the next generation of Forge's mecha suit that he's been rocking. It'll yes. make it a little bit more form, a little less function. Mm-hmm. But first, back to the battle at hand. Back to those terrifying monsters destroying the city, that drop shot. I just... It's so good. It's so good. I love this little, like, we have to let you know what's going on. All right, X-Men. We're a little short-handed with Polaris, Jean, and Rogue on Araco, But hopefully, you're all in the right mood to fight monsters. And so this is the page. This drop page is the first of the three pages that we saw the script for. So you can actually see how things changed from one point to the other. Mm. Now, this, I'm going to call it, this is a great Cyclops issue. From start to finish. This is a great Cyclops issue. Probably his last for a while if you're considering Cyclops the name. It takes a lot of the aspects of the character. Like we just had a nod to his relationship with Emma. Not sexual, not no, you know, no, romantic, no. Just but a nod to their connection and yes. their their comfort with each other. 
later we'll see how that interacts with his relationship with Gene and how there seems to be a little bit more trust and connection on that side. Right now, you're getting your field leader, fighting with math, cocky nerd smile. And I say that lovingly, that corner lens flare on that page Mm -hmm. where he's smirking, I love it. And I'm not even a huge Cyclops fan. I was at GameStop the other day picking up the new Pokemon game and the guys working there were like, hey, I really love your X-Men t-shirt. You know what my favorite X-Men is? Other than Wolverine? I was like, I don't know. And the guy said Nightcrawler. One guy said Nightcrawler. The other guy said Cyclops. And everybody was like, Cyclops? <laughs> and he even said, I, I just like saying that because it makes people mad. Are you ready for something that sure. I'm about to say? What? I understand Cyclops a little better from this issue. Yeah. There are still things that kind of rub me the wrong way, but I do see what people talk about in him being, the you know, leader. the classic leader of the X-Men. I yeah. do understand it more, and I did gain a little bit more respect for him, but at the same time, I still have questions about how he's handling this news in this situation. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that just creates more interest, though. Mm-hmm. How he's handling it, it's, it's a big emotional deal. And you would assume, we haven't seen it, but like how are the rest of the team handling it publicly, right? right. So this, this becomes a full PR song and dance that you have to be, like Jean Grey has to be emotional publicly and, and hanging out with Scott privately. Right. Modern take on the classic shot set up his geometry cyclops's secret power <laughs> of using those angles and refractions of his eye beams just taking a bunch of them out yeah i really love the way this page is drawn to the angles of the eye beams on top of the placement of the boxes for the mm-hmm. uh, voiceover or the narration points of it and just the the way that the motion travels on this page is very pleasing yeah and, and in the boxes, they're talking about, you know, this is that move that you would get from the heavy hitter from the team. Mm-hmm. This would be your Thor swinging Mjolnir. This would be your Captain America with the shield. Bouncing because it. Bing, bang, 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 because bang, it's, bang, bang. it's saying, hey, Cyclops is at that level of those characters mm-hmm. for the X-Men. He is the guy that, I mean, as much as I love this page, it's the next page that really gets it for me. The one with sync back to back. And mm. the I am X-Men. Like, that was your whole campaign speech. That was his... They, they went around... We've had how many issues talking about individuals' campaign speeches and his... Why do you want to be the X on the X-Men, Cyclops? I am the X-Men. Yeah, okay. We vote for him. See, you that... Don't like, you don't like that. I no. don't like it. No, I, I like that. I like I am an X-Man. If he said that, I am an X-Men. Like something like I am a like that is who I am that is my whole being but saying I am the X-Men is or like you could say the X-Men is who I am the X-Men is me but I am the X-Men is too it's too cocky for me it's too much it's very cocky but I do not question it in any way shape or form he is he is the X-Men you want to think about person that represents the ideals of Charles Charles Xavier in action and and tempered a little bit with some do what you need to do of Magneto. You want to think about Extinction Age Cyclops, which you don't know, but that's the age of Cyclops was right. That's the age where he killed him. Right. Take him down. You know, Take some, down you know some details. Yeah. So 
the ways that he is able to, and even I, I've referenced this data page a number of times, but the, it was from Hellions about, I think it was Beast that was reflecting on who led us into battle, who mm-hmm. we followed, who we were ready to die for. And that's Cyclops. That's the guy that's been at our sides the entire time of the continuity. And he's he's the guy that is creating for the next generation. You know, imagine if Claremont let him retire back in the day. Oh, stop it. I mean, I, like I said, it makes me understand, but it's still kind of the, the wording of it irks me, but I get it. But also Wolverine, look at her. <laughs> really cool shot to scare this monster away instead of fighting it. Meep. Yeah. Runs away. The the human that's like, why don't you kill it? You can kill your own monsters. Yeah. We gotta send in Borman. It's not going the way we want. I do I do love the fact that Stasis and Borman is staking out this attack in an ambulance. Yes. It, it's like next steps of It's plans on top yeah. of plans on top of plans. This this feels like a heist movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he engineered some of these things, some of these chimeras to specifically react against the X-Men's powers. I think that is the the juice. That's the juice. That's what the juice the is The rage doing. juice. And I think, and I'm just making this as an assumption, they do make mention of his resources, Stasis's resources in connection to Orcus. You think about Orcus that had the scientists who turned themselves into apes, mm-hmm. which side note, I want the monkey scientists getting involved with these animal chimeras because that just makes sense to me. That's just, I I get it. They were human, now they're animals. You are animals, now you're kind of humanoid. Get it together. You're the gap. (laughs) But they're built to blow. The serum is an explosive and Sunfire sets it off, even with just a small amount of fire. I like that... He in the in the narrative, it's like Sunfire doesn't even have to hit him that hard, and then Sunfire is like, "I didn't even hit it that hard." <laughs> yeah, some of the setup and punchline. It's awesome. Yeah, but Sink. Oh yeah, you want to talk about who else stars in this issue? It's Sink. This little grin, it's like almost evil. Not like evil, but kind of. Just like <laughs> I can tap into Gene's powers from space, or well, it's essentially him doing the Cyclops thing, right? So he even talks to Cyclops after that geometry shot. Mm-hmm. He says, "You know, when I see you go off like that, it takes me back to what you said back at the Hellfire Gala." Being honest, I thought you were a little full of it then when you campaigned for the election, but where was the lie? Like this is him doing his all like swinging his big stick trying to take out the big guns for this yeah yeah is is sinking from space or sinking from From muscle muscle memory memory. amazing yeah which is just really cool muscle memory hold on i'm gonna throw this baby real quick and then when you catch it i'm gonna cut your throat yeah steal the baby slash your throat stasis goes in to finish the job so intense for a bad guy moment testing the limits of resurrections list like, like the way that he whispers information into cyclops's head yeah just he knows so much or i'm gonna tell you exactly it, you know? where i am so right. you can come find because me when you, you get back you won't be able to remember this i think he thinks that i think he thinks they do know i think he doesn't know that they lose stuff during resurrection if he's had any conversation with orcus then i think that he does know that they lose information right because orcus in Inferno, issue one, they keep on sending people, but they're not learning anything from their attacks. 
So there is mm. some gap in their knowledge. Yes, you're right. I just I do love super suspect exit as the ambulance employees, like the the ambulance workers, like, oh yeah, there was nothing I could do for him. Bye. Sorry, couldn't help. Gotta go. Gotta go. Um, Laura's like, uh, yeah, okay, that's fine. And that's the story of how, in front of the world, the best X Men fell and paved the way. I don't like that. I don't like that either. It's because you don't like Cyclops. No, it's not. I don't think. I think calling one person the best X Men is such a opinionated statement. Anybody could be the best X Men at any time. You have nothing to say. I just. If you, if it was a comic and Captain America died and it said, then that was the day the best Avenger fell and paved the way, you know, for mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. trying to equate that, would you have as much question about it? Yes. Really? Yes, because the first Avenger doesn't make you the best Avenger. Well, he's, he's not the first Avenger. Right, that's that's a movie. Right, but I'm just saying, I don't think there is a best in just, in a team. Right. Well, I just feel like you get in... You're kind of splitting hairs on everybody's equal on this team, but also here is the leader of the team or here is historically has been the leader, has been the strategist, has been the person calling us to arms, has been the person that we're following following into battle, who's okay. been the, the person that represents who the X-Men are. And I'm not trying to like. No, but I just feel like to say that only one like only one of the X-Men is the true representation of the X-Men. I just think that's a, an opinion based thing. Mm hmm. You know, like Storm could be the best of the X-Men. And there Rogue a- could be the best of the X-Men. Questionable. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out. The Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Jean could be the best of the X-Men. There are a lot of characters that have held down the X-Men over multiple years, not just Cyclops. I get it for story purposes and for... For the impact for on the his impact. death. Right? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, this is the day the best X-Men died. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> It's just a cool problem to lead into the next step of how they're going to answer it, how they're going to use Forge's tech and Jumbo's engineering to do this. Now, let's look at the mental chatter between Jean and Cyclops. She's like, I hope you don't think I did it. No, no. we all know Emma did it. Yeah, We all know it was Emma and or the council, and that might be a problem going forward, especially. Well, I'm all right. So. This brings up a lot of questions and we have a couple of data pages before we get to that, but it's just when I, when I called it yes, about changing Ben's mind, making them less heroic, right? It is that blurs the line of them actually being heroes. Now it's not the X-Men team themselves that are doing it, mm-hmm. but it seems as though that that action, that call came from the quiet council, which makes sense because they didn't, they weren't able to deal with that. This was, short-term solution to fix this big problem Mm -hmm. it's just creating a division between the the president and the field team you know like the yeah your your war captains and your but you don't know right in this particular instance if cyclops had remained as captain commander and they were going to make a decision like this in regards to him as Captain Commander, he might have been given more information. But now he's just on the X-Men. So he took himself a level out of intervo- involvement with the council. Yeah. 
Also, though, they couldn't. They could have just kept it secret from everybody. He he had never really been, even in the conversations about like Maddie's resurrection, he was always removed from the room Mm -hmm. when those big conversations, you are a war captain and we give you that respect. We're not at war. This is a government problem. This is a everyday government problem. Right. It's just an interesting perspective for him to say that we might be facing a war on two fronts because I do understand completely where as a as a tactical team, if you don't feel like you're given all the information, you feel like maybe there's something else going on. But at the same point, this isn't just the X-Men anymore. This is the whole nation exactly. of Krakoa. And so you're not going to be privy to all of the information. And you almost have to either accept that or put up a like I don't know, have a conversation about Go on it. Strike. You know that like, it's almost like you know you're not going to know everything, and we are going to do things that we feel like need to be done because the council is in charge. the step up above. It's not just Charles and his team anymore. This is another level of right. This is national priorities. Right. You had a shot to be. Imagine if Cyclops had said yes to the offer. So him, him and Jean were offered. The council seats. Right, and he said no. And he said no, and she said no, because they wanted to form this X-Men team. I just feel like both of them would have issues with what's going on. But maybe not because they would know the truth at this point, I would assume. Right? So they all would know everything. Right. That's true. They would. They would know everything. Our last image page, as Dr. Stasis looks his looks at his little memento of his, his attack on suit. Cyclops. Yeah. His, his civilian character get up. Ah, that's the medic outfit I was wearing when I cut Cyclops' throat open. Memories. And two heavy data pages. Mm-hmm. So we get a follow-up file that has been following Sync's development over the course of a couple of data pages since Hickman's X-Men run. Especially the effects of him coming into a newly resurrected body even before he went into the vault. And then coming out of the vaults with all of that knowledge and experience and just the fact that Cecilia mentions that he is the oldest patient I've ever treated. Mm -hmm. He has all of this knowledge, all of this memory, all of this use of his power now in a brand new, younger, primed husk. Yes. And how that affects his power levels is really cool. I just love the ending statement. Like, are we getting a new Omega? And also the idea that can resurrection increase the likelihood of Omega? And does that increase the amount of Omega mutants that will exist? Right. There have been pages and issues that reference the effects of resurrection and how that has shown increases in their power. Mm -hmm. It started primarily in the conversation with Sync. And so we're just getting that next step of how much could his power increase? Craziness. But wait, there's another data page. Another data page talking about Forge setting up communication satellites all throughout and using a network of telepaths, brains, to stay in contact. And it's known to Forge, Krakoa's telepaths, the Quiet Council, and the X-Men. And no one else. So see, they're in on some stuff. Yeah. And that could be why the team is out in space Mm -hmm. on top of taking care of the game world. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out next month. Maybe. Or the month after. I don't know. What's the Krakoan? You tell me. No, I can't. Modoc. 
I, I got it by looking at it. Modoc. Yeah. Because I know what the K looks like, and those are two O's. Also, his creepy looking face is in the preview image. Yeah, well, I wasn't looking at that, but. Holding jeans. Yeah. Holding jeans headpiece that she's no longer wearing. Nah, because she's got a cool new costume. Interesting. She's not wearing her new costume in the issue, but she's also not wearing the pointy face mask. She's just wearing the dress. Just the dress. It's transitional time. Leisure wear now. Big picture. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. I thought the way the story was told was interesting. Obviously, the art was gorgeous. It's definitely a conflict-filled experience to have the birth of Captain Krakoa and to have all the feelings around it and to have the controversy of what's going on with Ben and to have things with Dr. Stasis building up. And, you know, what's going to happen? Like, what is he going to do when Captain Krakoa comes forward and Cyclops is never seen again? Like, what's that going to do to him? Right. So, like, Dr. Stasis, the villain won the day. Mm-hmm. Right. He has the upper hand and it's the second issue in a row where the villain has won the day. You think about Philong and his mm. Martian outpost yes. setting up outside of Araco or as he defiantly refers to it as Mars. Mars. Right. Yeah. It seems like things are building up to be shifting, at least in the eyes of the villains, in the eyes of Orcus, all their ducks are coming into a row. Which we need, right? We need oh, yeah. villains that actually have strength and power because the start of the Krakoan era, you took off the board all of our villains. Yeah. Most of. You, know, you still, had, still had Graydon Creed and you don't even have, what's the guy? Gyrick. He's dead now. He's dead now. You don't even have Peter, Henry Peter Gyrick? Henry Peter Gyrick. Shaw's a good guy? <laughs> What? Where's Donald Blondie Pierce? He's there. He's still bad. He's, He's not still a mutant. Bad. Yeah, I really, I really like this issue. I really thought that this, you know, I, I know, I hit a low point with issue four and even into issue five, but then we're right back up on the upswing. I think that these two issues back to back and this idea of Captain Krakoa and what it brings into the story adds a lot to the story. Adds mm-hmm. a lot to this as a title. I agree. And it's definitely throwing some worthy adversaries in the mix and i'm excited to see how the team either stays divided you know that was a a thought or a rumor if we're adding new members to the team and not taking any away are we doing two separate strike teams are we handling multiple missions yeah we don't know but we'll find out so cyclops in this issue yeah that's his whole campaign speech that just like just that i have no further comment at this time (laughs) everyone else has heartfelt messages i kind of love it i i just in the way that this is essentially jerry and team doing a love letter to cyclops scott summers Mm -hmm. and his impact on what it means to be an x-man and what it means to have been an x-man through the legacy since 1963 and and all the times that that has been and and to compare him to Thor and Cap and, mm-hmm. and to be that heavy hitter and to have that awesome combo move that he's got. Yeah. Here's what I needed. Yep. I needed him to be Danny Rojas in Ted Lasso and I needed him to say X-Men is life and not say <laughs> I am the X-Men. He needed to say X-Men is life and then great Alvo for you. Football it's the is same, life. It's the same uh, concept, just 
articulated differently. Yeah. And he's Roy Kent. Oh, I'm the X-Men. <laughs> if you're not watching Ted Lasso, you're do missing it. out. You're missing you got to do it. All right. So Dr. Stasis, I just mentioned, he, he's winning the day. He's got the upper hand. He's got these animal hybrids. If you could make an animal hybrid, which two animals would you combo? This is a ridiculous question that I know you've had time to prepare for, and I didn't. I, I didn't. You don't have an answer? No, I just thought it was fun. Okay. I would combine a cheetah and a pterodactyl. Ooh. What would you combine? I always go, and, and it's not something that I prepared, but it's something that I have. No, but I already had an answer. Since I was a child. <laughs> I have liked the combo of these two animals. Are you going to take me down because of that? Yes. A moon bear and a spider monkey because you have the heft and strength of a bear and the agility of a spider monkey. All right. (laughs) That's fine. So we have two villains now with the upper hands. Do you expect to see the other half of the team on a mission soon? I would like to. I would too. I would like if you're going to drop that little nugget of information, I would like to see it. Followed through on. Do you like having two rosters in this book? Do you, would you like to see that continue to build out where half are going in one way, half are going no. another? No. There's enough titles. There's many titles. Like within the X-Men world, you have the X-Men team. And I want to, I feel like the X-Men book has is always bopping around. It's always telling you multiple stories from multiple angles, and I, I want it to settle a little bit. Hmm. I mean, and, I, w- I would say that Hickman's, yes, this over the last seven issues has had much more of a concentrated narrative of these threats building. Right, but all the threats have been different. Sure. Multiple villains building, things coming from multiple places. I want a little, I, I mean, I, I want to know what's going on in space and I want to see this other story, but I don't want it to continuously be a book about two teams that kind of gives me like how New Mutants was for a little while. Hmm. You know, I don't want that because there's so many other titles. Just want it to feel like one title. You want to see two teams I'm, all the I'm time. not against it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there are always two teams, but you have, I mean, actually I go back and forth because- you have more characters and you have more separation. You have less time for actual character moments, mm-hmm. right? I feel like this did a great job at having character moments for Cyclops and character moments for Sync. Mm-hmm. And other issues have not had as strong of care. You know, it's like one per issue. You get you get Sunfire last issue. You, know, you get Gene a couple issues before. Polaris issue five, right? So... I feel like that gets diluted even further if you're adding more people to the roster. So I go, I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. That's it. Good stuff. Great week. That was, uh, that was a great week of comics. Lots of good stuff. You read Devil's Reign as well. Yeah. And and I think you're gonna read the other ones. Yeah. You said it. You think I am because I said it because I am. Next week, what we got? I don't know. These are your jobs to tell me these things. Excellent. Number one. Oh, no. The book I don't know anything about. Not the many one that do. makes me feel like I don't know anything again. People are wondering, hey, is this is this going to be relative to Krakoa or is this just doing its own thing? Nobody knows. We'll find out next week. Ten Lives of Wolverine, number two. Pop, pop. Excited about that. Sabretooth, number one. <gasps> oh, my God. Yes. And X-Men Legends, number 11. 
Okay. For me. For you and other people. And for other people. And then, of course, we'll have our Infinity, but our wait, last Which Paradise one is Lost. the X-Men Legends that has Kitty and Nightcrawler? I believe that's number 12. Okay, so I can worry about that next time. I want to read that one. Good. Great. Well, until next time, old friend. Cheers! Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>